welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. You all made it through the snow this week. We went to see family this week and to a conference down in Tulsa where I'm from. And we almost didn't get out of Vancouver uh, the snow was so much, so bad on Wednesday when we left that the plane was spinning its tires in the snow, which is a scary thought. <laughs> I was like, that's okay, we can go home, just park the plane and we'll go back. They kept trying to, you know how you rock your car in the snow? They were rocking the plane to try and get it away from the... And if you've ever been in a plane that's rocking back and forth, you really begin to have second thoughts about your trip, and you also begin to pray intensely. <laughs> we, sat on, we sat in that plane uh, and got off and got back on again for five hours before we finally left. And they, it, was, it was amazing. We got to have our own version. We had a connecting flight in Denver, and so we had our own version of home alone. Uh, We landed in Denver and we literally, as the tires touched down and I turned my cell phone on, we had 24 minutes to get from out of that plane and to our other plane that we were going to. And has anybody ever been to the Denver airport? Yeah, it's got its own like train system. It's not the Abbotsford airport. It is a train involved. And so we had to run across the airport, find the train, take the train, run back across. We were like the McAllisters. We did not lose anybody, though, so we didn't leave anybody behind. But we went and we, um, we, we went to go see my family, and we were at this conference as well. And it was wonderful. The conference was wonderful, and I believe that, um, I believe that today that you are going to reap some of the harvest that we reaped as well from that conference. And so I want to pray, and uh, I want you to repeat this after me as we pray today, before we jump into the message, just to prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to receive all that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. I'm here today on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. My heart is ready to receive the incorruptible Word of God. Father, I ask right now that you say what you want to say, that you do what you want to do. I am open for all that you have for me. May your kingdom come and your will be done. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. First Kings chapter 19. Today's message, I'm calling it this. Are you listening? Look at your neighbor and say, are you listening? When I sent my notes to Josiah for him to get ready for, to put them on the screen, he said, what's the title of your message? I said, are you listening? And there was an awkward pause for about 30 seconds. And then he leans over and he says, I just want to be clear. Is the message called, are you listening? Or are you asking me if I'm listening? 
because me and Josiah actually have a lot of conversations where I say something, he's supposed to be listening to the answer, but he doesn't always listen to the answer. And then I say to him, are you listening to me? And so the title of today's message is, Are You Listening? Or I have a longer title. If you're writing notes, you could, there's another title that you could use. It's also called The Lost Art of Listening. Subtitle, like, comma, actually, comma, really listening, period. Like, comma, not waiting in a conversation for your turn just to share your thoughts, but, comma, there are pauses where you are allowing the other person to speak and you are actually listening, exclamation point. So you can choose whatever title you want. Those are the two that I have for you today to choose from. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, there is an account with Elijah the prophet, and I love Elijah the prophet. We're introduced to him uh, in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, and Elijah does amazing stuff. He shows up and uh, he goes and talks to Ahab and King Ahab and Jezebel and says, you're bad people doing bad things. This is my paraphrase. And so it's not going to rain again until I command it to rain. God says, you're doing bad stuff and you're going to have some consequences. And so no more rain. And so he runs off and he goes and lives his life and he goes and lives with a it's, a, it's a wonderful story in chapter 17. Like when you read it on first account, you're like, wow, this guy is not very nice, because he shows up to a widow and he says, hey, would you make me um, some bread and give me a little cup of water, remembering that they're in the middle of a drought. So there is no water, but he finds this widow, has no husband, a widow is somebody with no husband, and he says, excuse me, ma'am, would you give me some of your water? I know water is uh, not really abundant these days, but would you give me some water and would you make me some bread to eat? And she replies and says to him, well, actually, I don't have anything. I'm really literally about to go make the last meal for me and my son and then our plan is to die and Elijah says that's nice can you make me some stuff first and then he says if you do that here's what God says to you and actually I want to read this to you because as I was reading this it was just so powerful I felt the Lord was saying that somebody here needs to hear this reminder for them today and it's in verse 14 and he says for this is what the Lord the God of Israel says and so maybe this is for you right now and I want you to highlight it or underline it or circle it or write a note or write a note down somewhere for yourself but this is what somebody needs to hear God saying to them today for this is what the Lord the God of Israel says there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops go again. Now here's what he's saying. It looks like in the natural there's not enough. But God is saying to somebody today, I'm coming to work in your life. And what looks like isn't enough, I am going to meet your needs and be your provider. So she goes on and she makes him this bread. Y'all should have got more excited about that, by the way. Listen. I just want to tell you something. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Thank God. Look what the Lord has done. We were at this conference. It was a, Oklahoma is considered the South. And Southern church is a little different than Canadian church. We're so polite in church. Yes, that's right, correct, yes. We all, we all listen attentively and we pay attention and we stare at you. We make no facial expressions. You don't know if we've learned how to sleep with our eyes open or we're actually just intently paying attention. But one of the guys who was preaching, 
brought his own organ player with him. So as he's preaching, there's somebody behind him pounding out. He'll say something. He's like, and everybody knows that's the cue. Be like, yes, the Lord. And they all jump up and they're praising God. It's okay to have some fun in church. I think God is a God who likes to enjoy life. I think he likes to laugh. I think he is full of joy. And I think when he wants us to come into his presence, the Bible says in his presence there is fullness of, yeah, it's not fullness of seriousness. It's fullness of joy. Man, Christians should be some of the most joy-filled people that the world encounters. They shouldn't look at you by your serious face and be like, oh, he must be a Christian. Look how serious that dude is. <laughs> look at that sour puss face that man has on there. That guy's got to be a Christian. He's got to be a follower of Jesus. There should be something just so full of joy and so happy about you that people are like, this guy's got to be a follower of Jesus because the Bible says in his presence is fullness. Not a little bit of joy. Not a little dab of joy, but fullness. So listen, all that to say, hey, listen, if you need to like stand up and start shouting while I'm speaking, you go for it. Like not shouting at your neighbor. Like if you are just receiving something with the Spirit of God, it's okay to stand up and just say, thank you, Jesus. It's okay to like do a little hoot and holler. Ashley loves to go, woo! See? It's okay to make some noise at church. There you go. Listen, Jeff, that's too much, man. Too much. It's too much, bro. First Kings chapter 19. Elijah has just finished, and he, he has just decimated the enemy of God. It's a great story. If you've never read First Kings chapter 18, I don't even know what you're doing with your Bible. But in First Kings chapter 18... Elijah literally calls out the prophets of Baal. And he says, I got an idea. Let's gather all of your priests and prophets for your false god. Let's get together and let's kind of have like a god off. You know, like we're going to see whose god is real. And he says, so you guys take, and there was... 450 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of somebody else. Get them all together and begin worshiping your God. Set up an idol and we're going to call on each God and we're going to see whose God answers. Isn't this amazing? And so they get together and the prophets of Baal show up and they began like they, they built their altar. They slaughtered a cow. They put the cow on there. And the Bible says they began to like cry out and cry out to Baal to come and consume this. Because the thing was the, the fire had to fall from heaven and consume this offering. And so they're calling out and it's breakfast time. Nothing's happening. It's lunchtime. Nothing happening. The Bible says that around lunchtime, Elijah begins to tease them and make fun and say things like, maybe your God, this is actually in the Bible. If you don't believe me, first Kings chapter 18, you can look it up. He says, maybe your God's in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> he says, maybe your God's on a holiday and you just need to call louder. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Maybe your God's on a trip. Holler a little louder at your God. And so nothing happens. And these guys start getting all worked up. 
Anyways, you know how the story goes, and nothing happens, and finally it's Elijah's turn, and he, he puts, he puts uh, this altar together, he takes 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel, puts them all together, slaughters a cow, puts it on there, and then he does this. He brings out all this water, and he keeps dumping water, which, don't forget, they're in the middle of a drought, and it's been three years. They're in the middle of a drought. Water is like the most valuable uh, material, whatever, that's, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, that's, that'll work. Uh, it's the most valuable commodity on the pl- in this area of the world this moment. And he's just dumping water on this altar over and over and over again. And then he calls on God. And the Bible says, fire comes from heaven and consumes everything. And then in the moment, he says, the people begin to cry out and say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he's God. He's the one that answered. And, they, and Elijah says, let's go kill all these false prophets. Listen, if this was a prophet who showed up at your church, you would listen to what he said. (laughs) They kill all these prophets. The queen hears about it, about what Elijah did, about how God answered his prayer, about how he killed all of her false prophets and says, I'm going to kill Elijah. Elijah gets scared and runs off. Okay? This is what's happened. In three chapters, a lot has happened in Elijah's life. We've learned a lot about Elijah. And in chapter 19, we're finally getting to chapter 19. It says that he ran off and he runs and he finds a tree and he sits down under this tree and he begins kind of like to pout and to mope. And he's kind of upset and he's talking to God and he says, um, I might as well die. He says in verse 4, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. He says, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lays down and goes to sleep. And then suddenly he's awoken, and there's an angel there who has water for him and food to eat, fresh baked bread on stones, the Bible says. And so the angel wakes him up and says, eat this food. And so this guy who is serving God in mighty ways and seeing God work and do crazy, amazing miracles and has just come out of the desert because he's afraid of this one woman who says she's going to kill him, has come out and he's prayed and said, God, uh, I want to die. I've had enough. I'm going to lay down and take a nap. Then an angel shows up out of nowhere, wakes him up and says, eat this food that I have brought to you. Elijah wakes up, eats it, and then the Bible says, then he lays back down and goes back to sleep again. And then the angel shows up one more time and wakes him up and says, you didn't eat enough food the first time because you've got a big journey ahead of you eat more food and so the bible says that he eats it and then is where we're going to pick up here in verse number nine well let's start in verse eight it says so he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to mount sinai the mountain of god this is where moses had met with the lord before there he came to a cave where he spent the night but the lord said to him What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Verse 11 says this. This is the Lord talking. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord 
was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And it says this, after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Everybody say, are you listening? When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then Elijah and the Lord began to have this conversation together. There is a pandemic on the planet. And it's not the global pandemic that we all went through for the last, what seems like forever. There's a pandemic of noise on the planet. There is a cacophony of sound. There is noise everywhere you go. And we are so trained and tuned to have noise around us that even some of us will find ourselves when we're in a place that is silent to create noise. We'll turn on music. We'll turn on audiobooks. We'll turn on podcasts. We'll start talking to somebody else. We'll call somebody on the phone. We'll start talking to ourselves. Some of us like to talk to ourselves. It's a sign of high intelligence, they say. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you anything different. The real, the real concern, though, is when you start talking to your animals like they're humans. That's, that's a, <laughs> you need to. We are trained to live in a world of noise everywhere we go. And many of us are like Elijah. And we feel like if God wants to get my attention, he'll shake heavens and earth so I know he's talking to me. Because everything else in the world is loud and boisterous and full of noise, trying to get my attention, making noise so that I will look at it. So if the Lord wants my attention, he's going to make some noise. But we just saw right here that there was a wind that was so strong that it was tearing the rocks loose. And the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake. And some of you may say to yourself, surely if God wants to talk to me, he can shake the earth so that he gets my attention. But then the Bible says that God wasn't in the earthquake. And then it says there was fire burning things up. And some of us say to ourselves, if God wants to talk to me, then he can talk to me out of a burning bush like he did with Moses. If he did it for Moses, he can do it for me. But listen, that's not always the way it works. And if, if you think about it cognitively, you can say to yourself, you know, there's a lot of people in the Bible and there's only a few that have these crazy stories of how the Lord encountered them. Everybody else had to listen for his voice. So I say again today, are you listening? Because it's in the stillness, in the quiet, that he speaks. And what we have to learn how to do is find the stillness and find the quiet so that you can hear his voice. The Bible says that he finally shows up. And it's a, the New King James says a still small voice. There's a verse that I love in Psalm chapter 46 verse 10. You know, Pastor, there are certain conversations that you have on a consistent basis with people. And one of the most common conversations I have with people is, I don't hear God speaking to me. I can't hear him talking to me. I don't know what to do. Have you prayed about it? 
yes, but I can't hear him talking to me. And I want to tell you today, from the bottom of my heart, it's probably, now hang on to your seats, it's probably because we're really not listening for that still, small voice. Many of us look for signs in the Lord and we say to ourselves again, it's going to be a big, earth-shattering sign when God wants to talk to me. But God speaks in the whispers. God speaks in the quiet. God speaks when you silence yourself so you can hear him. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, and this is a verse that I talk to people a lot about when they say to me that they can't hear God talking to them. And it says this, Be still and know that I am God. Say, be still and know. Be still and know. I want to show you what these words mean, just so you understand. First of all, who is... Who is being told to be still in this scripture? We are. Who has to do the stilling? Are you sure about that? Many of you look like you think this is a trick question. When it says be still and know that I am God, yeah, you're right. It's talking to us and the person that has to do the stilling the settling, the quieting is you. And in the stilling and in the quieting and in the silencing, you will know God. I love how it doesn't just say, be still and you will hear God. It says, be still and you will. There's a big difference between knowing and hearing. Maybe you didn't hear that. Are you listening? See what I did there? There's a huge, there's a world of difference between knowing and between just hearing. Let me tell you what the word still means. It's actually the Hebrew word rafa. It's a primitive root. And it's, it means this, to slacken. Uh, in many applications, literally or figuratively, to abate or to cease. So when he says be still, when you be still, yeah, He's saying, you stop. You stop. I can't hear God talking to me. Turn off your radio. Don't try and fit God into your schedule. Lord, I've got 37 seconds between this phone call I have to make and between the drive-thru. I'm just about to order, Lord. So you've, you've got, like, there's three cars ahead of me at Tim Hortons, and I'm about to order, so that's how much time you've got to speak. I can't hear you. There's two cars left, Lord. Speak up. Speak up. God, I need you. There's one car left, Jesus. <sighs> Welcome to Tim Hortons. Can I take your order, please? You missed out, Lord. I could have used Starbucks. Why didn't I use Starbucks? I'm so sorry. Forgive me. We have Starbucks employees in the house. <laughs> we, try and, we try and fit him into our schedule. But you can't really know somebody like that. 
This is all I've got for you. I've got two minutes for you today. How much can you really know somebody in two minutes? So when it says be still, it means really like a pulling away, a resting, a stopping, a ceasing from what you're doing to allow yourself to know him. Let me tell you what no means because this is so good. Well, actually, I want to tell you what uh, um, being still or silent means in Webster's Dictionary because we love Webster's 1828. Not Merriam-Webster's current collegiate dictionary. We love the first dictionary that Noah Webster ever did. And this is what silent means. So still, silent, it means this. You ready for this? It means not speaking. That's what silent means. Not speaking, not acting, not transacting business in person. It means literally that you're stopping from what you're doing, that you are being still. I can't hear God talk to me. Psalm 46.10 says, be still. Stop what you're doing so that you can know me. Are you picking up what I'm putting down here? Are you hearing what I'm, the Spirit of God is saying? Now, here, let me tell you what no means. He says, be still. Stop what you're doing. Stop talking. Stop talking acting, stop working, stop. I love the part where it says transacting business. It just means to stop. Just stop what you're doing. Pull your car over, uh, turn your radio off, go to your bedroom and close your door, take your phone and throw it away. I use my phone to talk to Jesus. Find a new way. Because if we could all be real and honest, how much time do we really spend trying to pray when we've got our phone in our hands? God bless the notifications, but man, oh man, does it distract you. Super. Be still and know. Here's what no means. It's the Hebrew word yada. And it means... It's a verb meaning to know, to learn. Now keep this all in context. When it says, be still and know that I'm God, keep it in context. This is what this verse is talking about. This is how you know God. This is what knowing God really means. To perceive, to discern, to experience, to confess, to consider, to know people relationally, to be made known, to make oneself known, to make, to know. The simple meaning to know in its most common translation out of the 800 or more uses in the Bible, one of the primary uses means to know relationally and experientially. It refers to knowing or not knowing persons personally or by reputation. Be still and know that I am God. Elijah was trying to hear, he was trying to get direction, he was trying to get understanding, he was trying to figure out what to do, he just wanted to die. Have you ever felt like you wanted to die? Let's be real, have you ever felt like life is hard and I feel like there's better days on the other side of eternity? My hand's up. I'm not just like, hey, do you feel like this? Raise your hand if you feel like, I'm telling you, there are days where I'm like, man, life is hard. It's got to be better somewhere else. 
Let's all just go see Jesus. Jesus, take me now if you want. I'm okay with it. Anybody else? Look at all those hands up. That's how Elijah felt. And so the Lord said, I want to talk to you. Eat this food and come meet me. Let's have a coffee date. We're so trained to hear God, or to try and hear voices speak to us, but it's always in noise. It's always in pandemonium. It's always in the middle of chaos. And the Lord is saying, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to reveal purposes and plans to you. I want to speak to you about your destiny. I want to speak to you about your purpose. I want to talk to you about your healing that you need. I want to talk to you about the provision that you need. And what it's going to require from you is for you to be still and to know me. And not just head know me, but to relationally experience me. But it requires that you pull away from everything else that you were doing, that you quiet yourself, that you stop everything that you're doing, that you actually, God forbid, tell people not to bother you for the next 30 minutes. That you close your computer, that, that for real, you take your cell phone and say, I'm putting my cell phone here and I'm going in a different room and closing the door. Well, then you can't look, look up a scripture. That's not very scriptural. That's not very spiritual of you. It's okay. You'll figure it out. There's a thing called the concordance at the back of every Bible in the world. But you remove yourself and get yourself into a place of silence and you still yourself and you quiet yourself so that you can hear God speaking to you. I guarantee you this. I guarantee you that everybody in this room from the youngest to the absolute oldest needs direction and understanding and wisdom beyond what we have for our life. If that's you, put up your hand. Look around the room. I think everybody's hand is raised. That only comes when we quiet all the voices, when we quiet all the distractions, when we remove things from our life and get ourselves in a place where we can hear the Spirit of God speaking to us. Go with me. To Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. Habakkuk 2.20, in the Good News translation, says it this way. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let everyone on earth be silent in his presence. Be silent in his presence. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 13. Says it again. It says this. Be silent, everyone, in the presence of the Lord, for he is coming from his holy dwelling place. That word silent, is the Hebrew word hasa, and it means this, to hush. Hush. The scriptures tell you to hush. That's a polite way of saying shut up. If you hear somebody say hush to you, 
what they really mean is shut up. But shut up is apparently too rude in Canada. So we say hush. It means hold your peace. Hold your tongue. Keep silence. Be silent and be still. And in the stillness, you will know God. Be still and know that I am God. You see, for Elijah, it wasn't in any of those amazing ways that God was showing himself. It wasn't in all the sound. It wasn't in all the motion. It wasn't in all the noise. It was the still, small voice. And you can only hear a still, small voice when you are quiet enough to hear it. Me and Jen have had an ongoing conversation for decades. Jen thinks I'm deaf. I tell her I'm not deaf. Has any other married couple had these conversations? That's right, everybody. But wait, there's more. This is so ongoing. Like, for real, I know that I can hear, and I feel like I can hear actually pretty well. Jen's convinced of the complete opposite. So one day we were together, she gets an ad on Instagram for a hearing clinic and free hearing tests and books me a test. Yeah, this, this just happened. This is real life. I go into the clinic. I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to show you once and for all that I can hear. We're going to do this. I go, in, <laughs> I go into the clinic. There's an intake form. They had to send this information to my doctor. I was like, how embarrassing. My doctor's going to know, like, why I'm getting a hearing test. The girl at the desk says to me, uh, how do you feel like you can hear? I was like, oh, pretty well. She's like, okay. She's like, yeah. A lot of wives send their husbands in here. I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't say anything else. Like she, she didn't ask me, and I didn't offer that information. I wasn't like, yeah, me too. I was like, oh, it, that's interesting. I was like, do they? She's like, yeah, all the time. So they take me back to this room, and they, like, put these things in my ears and sick me in a booth and give me a little clicker. Who's done a hearing test before? I'll tell you what, the heat was on, folks. <laughs> because I had to prove to Jen that I could hear. I made sure before I went, I like, my ears were clean. <laughs> I probably, we all know that I probably just stuck the wax way deeper in my ear. We've all seen what Q-tips really do. But as far as I could tell, Levi, my ears were clean. They were ready to hear some things. And I went in this booth and I sit there and I was like, it was like I was playing a video game and there was a million dollars on the line. They're like, sit out. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm going to stand up. And I had this clicker in my hand. And I'm pretty sure I was just clicking anything. Any sound I heard, I was click. That's not true. I, I could hear What they don't know is I had the button down the whole time. <laughs> they could have tell, they could have told if I had done that. I didn't do that. But let me tell you, I was in that booth and I was quiet. And I was listening 
And the way a test works is it starts out really loud and gets incrementally quieter and quieter because they want to see what frequencies you can't hear anymore. I, listen, it was so sound attenuated in that booth that I could hear my heart beating. And I'm like, would you just stop beating for a minute? I need to hear these tones. But I, let me tell you, I was in the zone. I was like sitting there ready to click. And as soon as I heard a tone, I would click that button. But I was in the zone listening for anything. And you got to be the same way. If you need God to speak to you about your life, if you need direction and wisdom, you got to get rid of the other noises. Listen, they put me in a booth for a reason because they wanted to eliminate all the other sounds that would come into my ear holes. You've got to be the same way. If you want to hear God speak to you, get yourself into some kind of booth and remove everything else, every other voice, every other noise, every other storm, so you can hear the whisper of the Spirit of God speaking to you about your life, about His plans, about His purposes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Interesting you should ask, though, Michael, because when I told my wife I passed the test, she was convinced it was a faulty test. <laughs> and so, my friends, the, the conversation continues, doesn't it, babe? And here's the thing. I told my son, I passed the test. Here's what your mom's going to say. And then I told Jen, and it's exactly what she said. <laughs> Stand up with me. Did you say something? <laughs> I heard every word you just said, so. I want you to close your eyes with me for just a moment. And there's a great story at the beginning of the book of Samuel. Samuel was a prophet that had to step in and help the children of Israel. When he was a baby, a toddler, a young little thing. His mama sent him to live at the temple. And he worked with the priest named Eli. And Eli wasn't a good priest. He let his boys run wild. He had two sons named Hopni and Phineas. And Hopni and Phineas also served in the temple, but they were bad kids. They did all kinds of bad stuff. And the Lord was displeased with them because they were a bad representation of who he was to the people. And one night, when everybody went to bed, Samuel was in bed. And as he slept, he heard somebody call his, call, his, call his name. And he's a little boy, so he assumes that it's Eli the priest calling for him. So he jumps up and he runs over to where Eli is sleeping and he says, uh, here I am, you know, what, what, what did you want from me? Eli says, I didn't call you, boy. Go back to bed. It's late. I'm tired. Eli goes back to bed, and 
sends Samuel back to bed. And Samuel gets to bed. He's woken up again because he hears somebody calling his voice, Samuel, Samuel. Gets up, runs back to Eli. He's like, man, Eli is losing it. Guy's calling me. And he goes and sees Eli. Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. This happens one more time. Finally, on the third time, Eli realizes that it's the voice of the Lord calling to Samuel. And he gives him an instruction and he says this, here's what you need to say next time you hear this voice. If you hear the voice calling your name, you need to say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. And what I want to do together for just a moment before we close today's service down and head on with the rest of our day, is I want you to say to the Lord, if you want to, is I want you to outstretch your hands or hold your hands here, however you like to. Hold your, I like to hold my hand on my heart sometimes, and sometimes I like to hold my hands here, and sometimes I like to stick them way up in the air. But however works for you. If you want to, I want, I want you to repeat this after me. And here's why I have you repeat things. Because words have power, and they activate things inside of you and in your life. And so, if you want to hear the voice of God, He is saying today to you to be still and know me. He is offering you an invitation to not just know Him with your head, but to experience Him and know Him relationally. But that comes in the quiet, that comes in the stillness. And so if you want to know him that way, I want you to repeat this after me. Say this. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Open my ears. Open my heart. Open my mind. Open my eyes to receive all that you are saying to me. I desire to hear your voice above every other voice. No mamas. Say no mamas. Not above my dad. Not louder. No, that's what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say? Like his voice is the highest is what I'm trying to say so that there's no other voice that is higher than his, what I'm trying to say. So let's say it this way. No mother's voice. That was the word mother. I know, I'm sorry. No father's voice. No husband's voice. Or no wife's voice will be louder in my ears than yours. I desire to be who you've called me to be and to do all that you've called me to do. I love you, Jesus. Have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. That was hard, I'm sorry. It's not that bad. Let's take a moment now. And can we just worship for a second?
And as we worship, as these guys up here worship, I want to take a moment just to silent our hearts and our minds to hear him speak to you, to hear his voice, to listen to what he has to say. Can we do that together? All right, let's do that. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.